So I'm 41 years old now, but for 15 years of my life, I played hockey when I was younger. And back in, in the day, back in the 90s and stuff, some of you might remember, especially athletes, you might remember that there were those shirts that basically said, like, fill in the blank of your sport is life. Hockey is life, baseball is life, you know, volleyball, whatever, whatever. You could find it in everything, right? And so that's kind of what my life was really like when I played hockey. You know, for those years, I, I loved it so much, and I practiced all the time. If I wasn't in formal practice, I was, like, practicing in our driveway or any opportunity I could get to actually play. And so one of the things that has always spoken to me when we hear in Exodus the Ten Commandments is, you know, thou shall not carve any graven images, you know, and, it, and it's an amazing thing because at one point I remember we were in a, like a wood shop class, so we were learning how to make things and we were making like plaques for our room, kind of like a thing where, you know, you actually had to learn how to plane the wood and then, you know, glue it all together and then you would actually use a router and what was the phrase that I chose? Hockey is life. That's what I chose for the thing to put in my room. And, um, and so I was actually carving a graven image myself, a future priest. Can you believe it? And so one of the things that's amazing, though, about these parallels in the gospel and in Exodus is that you remember, during this time in Lent, our 40 days in Lent, what happens? Moses goes up for 40 days to communion with God and to get his law for the benefit of his people. And then those Israelites who are wandering for 40 years in the desert, all these 40s there, what happens? They get bored in that time and they get frustrated. While Moses is up there, you know, speaking with God and getting his law for their benefit. And so what do they do? They ask a priest, Aaron, hey, will you make this golden calf for us? Will you carve this graven image? And what does he do? He does it. And so what happens when Moses gets back down? He's furious, furious enough that all this time he just took getting God's law on these carved commandments that he smashes them and destroys the golden calf, destroys the idol. And what happens, what does Jesus do today in our gospel? He does the same thing. He seeks to destroy an idol because what happened is because all those same people who are making shirts that say hockey is life, baseball is life, football is life, and stuff like that, saw an opportunity to make money? Well, so did all the people who sold animals for sacrifice. They're like, you know what? This is required of these people. So if we just set up shop in the temple, then we're going to make a killing on all of this killing. You know, they're just going to, you know, give all the sacrifices to people. And so he gets so angry at that. Because, of course, what we say is the root of all evil, one of the worst idols, is money. And so they were using the temple for gain, for financial gain. And so just like Moses does, he destroys, you know, he flips over the table and the, and the coins go scattering everywhere. And, you know, in kind of what seems like a violent display, but it's a just anger about one of the greatest affronts, making a temple a holy place reserved for God into an opportunity to make money for financial gain for yourself. And so what is one of the greatest, I, I think, when I was talking to the youth last night, I had a mass with them in the parish center, and what I told them, I was like, one of the greatest idols of our day is this little guy right here, and it is appropriately named 
the iPhone, because it's all about I, after all, right? I am in the center of I's existence, and I really like this phone because I get to do whatever I want. When I need to ignore my family, I get to look at my phone. And so what happens, you see on the back of this one, it's like this one's got two cameras, and then of course there's cameras on the front. Some of you might have even like seven cameras on your phone or something like that. But why do we need all those cameras? Well, I, I need all those cameras so I can take a picture of I, myself. I need to look good, and so I need to have a good front-facing selfie camera so I can focus on myself. This is a dangerous little weapon here. It could be used for good or it could be used for evil, right? And so that's one of the things that I was talking to the kids about last night. It's because we start to lose the focus on who is at the center of our existence. Not I, not ourself, but God. And that's exactly what the Lenten season is all about. The two things I've talked to everybody about throughout Lent so far are we're trying to remove obstacles between us and God so that the focus is actually directed back on him. So that's what, that's what fasting is about. Sometimes it's removing good things from our life, and sometimes it might even be removing things that are kind of like vices in our life. But we move them out of the way willingly and intentionally so that God is closer to us, so that we can get closer to him. And one of the things that I was talking about last week is the way that we do that is the same way that we get to know one another, is through conversation and time. The same way that we get to know one another is how we get to know the God of the universe. But we can only do that if we remove obstacles out of our way. Because you know what? There are a million obstacles, and I pointed out one of them right there. Because you know what happens? What it trains us to do? You know, I've got my phone, right? And it's just like, you're like, yeah, I'm bored with that. You know, one inch swipe away, something new is there. So like, hmm, I'm talking to Jim. I'm kind of bored with Jim. Swipe. You know, who else can I talk to? Jim is boring me right now. You know, and it's just like, oh, I'm talking to somebody else. Mm, swipe, you're boring, you're boring, you're boring. This is what it does to us. It makes us not focus on the individual. We don't give them any attention. We're just like, mm, next. In fact, some dating apps are created and do that very thing. You're like, nope, don't like you, don't like you, don't like you, don't like you. It's a crazy, crazy concept. It's the opposite of what we do when we worship our Lord, where we try to turn our gaze towards him and not inside towards ourself. That's one of the things that we're trying to do. So my best friend, uh, we, we met in high school, and we've been best friends ever since, and he moved here to Portland from, from Manhattan about, oh, a little over six months or so ago. And so back in our day, after high school, this was amazing. I told this story to the youth last night, and they marveled at the freedom that we had. And so we didn't have any cell phones. There were cell phones, of course, but like nobody was really carrying them all the time everywhere. And so his family had a beach house in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And we're living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas at the time. So right after high school, two teenage boys, our parents let us drive 26 hours to the Outer Banks in North Carolina. And you know what we had to guide us on our way? 
a road atlas, a paper road atlas that many of you remember. There was no GPS. Like, you know, so the kids are like, there's no G. Well, how did you know where you were going? A map, a paper map. One of us is the navigator and the other person is the driver, right? And so, you know, and the navigator has two jobs, right? Navigate and keep the other person awake, right? And so, but imagine this. We were going there for two weeks, for two weeks and a total of 52 hours in the car together. When we got to the house, it's effectively a cabin in the woods, except on the beach. And there is no air conditioning, there is no TV, there was no internet, there was nothing. And I was like, what did you guys do? 52 hours in the car and two weeks out there. It's like, we talked to each other about a million different things in a million different ways. And we had to listen to each other. The foundation of our friendship, because of all that time put in there, makes our friendship now, you know, 20 years later, more than 20 years later, effortless. It, it, ju it just makes it effortless. And it's amazing because we put the time in with one another. One of the things that um, I'd heard people say before is when they heard about the idea of a holy hour, right? So it's, it's somewhat common in, you know, as a priest or in the religious life to make a devoted hour of prayer a day, a holy hour. Now, of course, those that have families and busy lives don't, don't always make a holy hour of prayer, but, but some people do. But I've heard some people say, oh, I doubt many people do that. And I'm like, I literally know hundreds of people that do that. I was in the seminary with over 200 men, most of which who did a daily holy hour. But this person could not even imagine that somebody could be silent and turn their attention towards God for one hour, which harkens towards what we're all moving towards, right? The passion, death, and resurrection of Christ. And what's one of the things that happens in, in the agony in the garden? As Jesus prays, as he turns his focus towards the God of the universe, what happens? His disciples fall asleep. And what does he say to them? Could you not remain with me for even one hour? Because they, they weren't able to focus. So, so even the apostles had their struggles in this game. But that is our goal for this Lent, and for our lives, in fact, is to be able to focus on God and on our neighbor. To be able to actually give them undivided attention instead of trying to find attention in the black hole of YouTube or whatever else you can get on your phone. Many of you know people in your lives. Just think about this idea for a second. You know, a few hours ago, you're talking to a friend of yours, and they're telling you all their struggles and their woes. Oh, my life is terrible. My relationship is terrible. Everything is a disaster. And then three hours later, you go and look on Facebook or Instagram, and you see this selfie of them, like, on the beach, like, hey, y'all, living my best life. And you're like, what? You're just like, that is not what they just told me three hours ago. So the reason that we do this, the reason that we purge ourselves of sin to get closer to God is so the inside matches the outside. 
that's what we want to do. We want to be people that are people of our word, people of integrity, God-fearing people that our actions out in the world match the prayer and the person that we turn to. That's the goal. That's the goal, is for the inside to match the outside. That was the problem with a lot of the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders that we hear so much about during Lent, is that their outward spiritual acts didn't match the people that they really sought to be. They wanted people to think they were holy, but they weren't actually doing things to build a real relationship with God. They were only doing the prayers so other people saw that shell of holiness. Sometimes what we can do on social media by putting our best foot forward. So that is our goal, is to remove obstacles and to focus on our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you all.